Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. The Gina Bianca podcast is brought to you by the Network Mastermind. Mastermind is a group of industry professionals passionate about education, growth, and community. Mastermind includes weekly coaching sessions on Zoom, support from our amazing community, and beauty industry education that is abundant, high quality, and super relevant to the industry today. If you want to learn more about Mastermind, please visit thenetworksalon.com. Hope to see you there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for listening. Today, I have the honor and privilege of interviewing and chatting with one of the biggest mentors. And um, like we've been saying, like the architects of my life. She has helped me so much throughout my career. She's definitely one of my guiding guiding people who has just always been there for me through thick and thin, who has known me for so many years and through so many of my hardships throughout my career. And she's guided me so much. Um, she's, she's just incredible and amazing. And she's got so much to offer the industry like she oh in the world, like she ho- always has been over her 30 year career. Um, so without further ado, with over 30 years of experience in wisdom and marketing, allow me to introduce one of my biggest mentors, Nina Kovner. She is one of my biggest guides and coaches, like I shared with you, and she is the amazing human behind Passion Squared. Passion Squared empowers creative entrepreneurs like us to turn our business or turn our passion and purpose into an awesome business brand and life. So I've been part of her A school program forever, and her brand and Passion Squared has helped my journey so much. So without further ado, here is one of my best friends, one of my business coaches, and someone I love so much, Nina Kovner. Thank you, Gina. Hi, everybody. It's so awesome to um, finally be here with you live. I know we've tried this so many times. And so thank you. Thank you for the incredibly kind words and for the invitation. I'm honored. My pleasure. Yeah, we've been wanting to do this for a little while. And um, you had me on your podcast. And I was like, Oh, my God, I have a podcast now Nina has to come on and we finally made it work. So I'm so happy. It's been a crazy couple of years. Mm -hmm. And it's just awesome that we can sit down together and chat. And I'm just so excited to like talk with you authentically. We both have been through so much you've taught me so much and you just have so much to offer and share. And I'm just so excited for my audience to get to know you if they don't already know you because I always talk about you anyway. (laughs) So I would love to um, even talk about how we met first. Like I like to open that up with like all of my, you know, interviews and stuff. It's like giving the audience context of like how we even know each other. And I don't know if it's before this that we met because I couldn't figure it out. I was just like, when did we actually meet? And I think I've been following you forever. And then I booked you to come to Gina Bianca hair. Yeah. That was a long time ago. That was in like 20... 16. Oh, that wasn't that long ago. It feels like a million lifetimes ago, but yeah. So yes, yes. 
Yeah. So I, um, I remember I was just starting my education career and booking people to come to the network, come to the network, come to Gina Bianca hair. (laughs) And I had booked you, I had booked a few other people and it was like a huge deal. I was just like, I'm getting getting passion squared to come here. Like it was (laughs) a huge deal. I was like 23 making shit happen. And you had come to my place and we did, um, we did a workshop and in that workshop, it was like the brand storytelling workshop. We did like the dream boards and the vision boards. It was so awesome. And I remember during that time, I was like, kind of like checked out from being an employee-based salon owner. And I did my whole dream board about GBH Academy, my education. And you're like, so you're going into education? (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. I remember that so well, that moment, that moment. We were actually, it's so weird. I don't even remember what happened yesterday, but I remember we were standing at one of your like- The color bar tables? Color bar tables. And- I could tell you were, you were seeking and and you, I could obviously sense the frustration and things that were going on, but it was so, such a clear vision that you, a cl- such a clear story that you created around the Academy brand. And isn't it amazing that even though at that moment we did not know, you know, how things would evolve, how you would grow and evolve, but shit, I mean, what a manifestation. I I know. And like during that time too, I feel like, I don't know when you came, I think you came in March of 2026. It was cold. I I just know that, you know, the, the former Los Angeles girl, um, now Oregonian, um, I just remember it was cold. (laughs) Yeah. So you came in March and I remember I went to Tony Robbins in January of 20. 17. And I remember Mm. I had the same realization then I was like, I don't need to have, I don't need to have a salon with employees. Like I need to focus on education. And there was like these realizations, but I think your class was the first realization that I realized my passion and purpose was education through through that class. And I'm just like realizing this now, cause I'm going back. I'm like, how did I even meet Nina? Like, I know I was just following you. And I think I probably heard you I don't know how I came across you. I was trying to figure it out, but I had always yeah, I don't, and looked up I don't to you. Either. Yeah, but I'm so yeah. glad that I did. Like, me too. Me too. <laughs> it's really, it's really interesting when, when we look at the brand storytelling framework and, and just the whole developmental process that we use at Passion Squared. It's something that I've used for decades in my old life, right? When I used to um, be head of marketing for a, a very large uh, hair care brand. And, um, but what's, what, what I love about it is very aligned with how we do everything at Passion Squared, which it touches both yourself, your humanity, as much as it does your business. And so we always talk about working from the inside out here at Passion Squared and, and it's tough. It's hard fucking work. Um, but even something as simple, well, not so simple, but I mean, simple, not easy, um, as, as a brand storytelling exercise can really help pull out of you things you didn't even realize mattered or that were important or that were visions or values that you had. And, you know, in, in 2021, values are, are critical, right? I mean, we as consumers want to align with folks that are crystal clear on what they believe and what they value and what value they offer and all of that stuff. So it's like, it, it's timeless. It's, it's timeless. 
some people could call it old school. I'm okay with that as, as an old myself. Um, but it's such a, it's such a hard, but critical step in developing anything. Absolutely. And like, that wasn't the only realization I had at that brand storytelling workshop. And I'm pretty sure that's like one of your like level one normal workshops that you do. (laughs) And I was over there having like revelations. Um, Another thing is that was when I broke my foot and people who listen to the podcast, I told this whole story about my foot and I talked about you on it too, but we were outside um, on the little deck patio thing. And you said to me, you were just like, you looked at me and you were just like, you're going to regret this. Like you're, you like looked at me, like you were just like, no, like you need to do something and you need to change. I don't know if you remember that. I remember that I was concerned about your, um, state of burnout. Um, I was concerned that I I picked up on your workaholism almost right away, particularly when you had something broken and you were acting as if everything was okay. I mean, like normal. Okay. And, um, as a recovering workaholic, one of the, one of the things that landed me in, in treatment in 2007 was workaholism. And so I am hypersensitive to when I see something that potentially, um, is dangerous, you know, for somebody that I, that I, that I care about, or, I mean, I mean, I care about obviously a lot of people, but, um, so th- likely that's what I saw um, because I've just seen that so many times in others. And of course, I've seen it in myself in, in different ways. And I know that, I know it's hard when you're young to listen to other people's wisdom. I totally get that. Um, but I still, I'm going to share it. Whether you choose to listen, you, the listener, you, Gina, who, whether you listen or, or heed that advice, I can't not say and share. Um, And then, you know, as you know, we all learn when it's time, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, and we all know that. So, yeah, I'm sure that, I'm sure it was tough to to that. And not in a projection way, more in a a, a guiding and and coaching way. I see this and uh, I just want you to be aware of it. Yeah, no, it was like life changing for me um, to like have that connection with you because then it like that, that was like the connection. And then we had met again. We had always stayed in touch, but we had met again at a retreat and that was crazy. And then I was like freaking not okay. And you, I remember I was like drunk too. And you looked at me and you were just like, you, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you were just like, you're still doing the same shit. And you like, it was so like point blank to me of like in a caring way. I'm not trying to make you sound any type of way, but like it was, I know I'm not an asshole. Yeah. Sometimes people think that I'm harsh, but no, it um, wasn't. I'm, I'm, I'm very kind and, and, and stuff. I swear. No, no, you, it was, but you said it to me and I had like a real, I had like this breakthrough moment there and I like stopped from behind the chair on my way home. And it was like something I really needed to do. Cause I was like, I was under the impression of like, nobody can take care of these clients except for me. And I was Mm. in like that whole like toxic story. And my foot was still broken like two years later, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. so it was like this whole thing. And then flash forward, 
you and I kind of went through, not the, not the same, but we kind of went through a, a similar journey of healing and you were the one who had introduced me to some people who changed my life. So you have just helped me so much. Like I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for you. And I feel like mm-hmm. I tell you this, but like I wouldn't, and you just like actually cared and you actually like see it and you say it and you were just there for me. And so that's how we know each other. So it's not just like, oh, hey, Nina, like <laughs> in passing, like we actually, you right. actually, it's not, it's life. not just off the internet or off no. the Instagram, you which actually, is those relationships are great too, but some of us actually do have other connections off the socials. Yeah, no. And it was totally like, I just, I'm so eternally grateful for that. And I'm just so excited for everyone to, well, now they have little context on like why I'm just like, listen, (laughs) this person changed my life. But I would just love for you to tell your story. And I'd love to just have a conversation with you about your journey throughout your career. You have a expansive career. You have so much experience. You've had the ups and downs. I'm sure you've learned so much and have just so much wisdom. So I would love for you to take it away and just share with me and my audience, of course, anything that you'd like to share with us and starting with your journey. My journey, like my life journey. I think that you should share whatever you'd like. Oh my God. Once upon a time in Encino, California, Nina was born. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, you know, I, I I believe that I share a very similar story to many of your listeners and many people in the professional beauty community. Um, shit was rough, you know, um, and I uh, I struggled a lot as a child with just wanting to be accepted and wanting to be loved. I went to twelve different schools between zero and twelfth grade. And that's not because my family was military because they weren't. Um, My dad actually was in the Peace Corps, but it was just divorce. You know, it was divorce and divorce and this and that and running around. And so I never really had a sense of identity, belonging. You know, I don't know. It was just really weird. Um, Really weird, especially as I always continue to look back on certain situations and things. But anyways... Um, it came from a family of doctors. (laughs) My great grandfather escaped Russia when the Nazis were murdering, killing, assassinating, and gassing the Jews. And he was an incredible man. And he had some kids and, um, they settled in Los Angeles and my grandparents were both doctors. My father was a doctor. My great uncle was a doctor. And so, of course, there was this pressure, like, to be a doctor, but I was a horrible student. I got suspended many times in elementary school um, and barely graduated high school. So it wasn't because I wasn't smart. We, we, I think we, most of us have figured this out by now, um, but it was because for all the reasons, um, I just was not engaged in, in school. So... I had, it's funny. I wrote, there was a, a uh, some class I took in high school that you wrote a paper about like your past, present and future, which should have been turned into the authorities and, or at least a therapist, because it's disturbing to say the least. But one of the things that I said was, 
says, like, what do you want to be? And at that time, even though I loved hair, my great grandma was a hairdresser. She was the first um, group of people licensed in California in the 20s. She's an amazing person, but I didn't know her like as a working, you know, hairdresser. Like she was way older when I was a kid. So I, <laughs> I wrote in this class assignment, I want to either be a ski instructor or a therapist to help children that are struggling with divorce, addiction, all this shit. And I'm like, I wrote this in high school. Like, I understand the ski instructor part because I was an avid skier from the time I was literally born. And I had fallen in love with someone that worked in Lake Tahoe. <laughs> and since I am a recovering love addict, um, even though back then I didn't know what that was, um, of course, you know. I'm like, I'm going to move to Tahoe and live happily ever after and be a ski instructor. But anyway, so ski instructor or therapist, uh, neither one of those things happened, but I, I did, I did get an opportunity to, to study beauty and went to beauty school. Um, I did try college for a couple of years. I had a major drug addiction at the time and, um, that coupled with, insane depression. Um, just, I, I couldn't survive. I couldn't handle it. I didn't belong there. My purpose was not to be there. Um, I had no protection, no family, no like structure. And so my mom, who was forever my rescuer, she was living on the East coast at the time. And, and she came to, to Northern California to scoop me up and took me back East. And, um, and that's when I discovered a salon that I started assisting in and found a beauty school to enroll in. So that was in 1986 when I went, when I, when I started that, I think, yeah, 86, 87. And so I had a really great introduction into the beauty industry because I had to work because I needed money to pay for school and to pay for rent and stuff like that. So I assisted all through beauty school and I was the, the solo assistant in a busy salon of six hairdressers who were at the top of their game. And of course it was the eighties. So there's no computers, no booking apps. There's no social media. There's nothing. So I did everything. Like I booked, I rebooked, I took the money, I sold the take-home products. I, did all the shampooing, all the perm processing, because again, the 80s, all the perm processing, all like the toners, fed the stylists, swept the floors, washed the dishes. I did fucking everything. And I loved it because that is a priceless education, like a priceless education. And I know for a fact that no matter what opportunities came my way after beauty school, I would never have been as successful as I was, had I not had such a solid foundation from, um, the fall salon, which is, was in great falls, Virginia. And, and they, I mean, it was everything, you know? Yeah. Beauty school was cool, but the, that salon experience was everything. It was hard work and I fucking loved it. 
I have a similar experience with the salon that I worked at while I was in beauty school and they taught me so much and I worked for free because they weren't hiring. So I would go right after school <laughs> and it. be like, I'll wash dishes. I'll sweep the floor. Like, can I just watch you? Yeah. And I learned so much that way. And I got so much like tough coaching, which I think is like my favorite part of my journey is like that tough critique of people who told me like it was and yeah. who like didn't spare my feelings because I felt like it helped me gain like so much more like, like awareness of like, oh, okay. Like at least I know, and I'm not wondering. And I just had like that same, I'm grateful for that same assisting experience. Yeah. And I think you can be honest and you can be firm and, and clear, but you don't have to be an asshole about it. And you don't have to be abusive. I mean, the eighties were such a different time and there, there was, uh, we, we grew up in, in, in a different type of, of, of cultural time where there was more of a King boss mentality and my way or the highway. And it, it, it it's not a style I've ever enjoyed. Um, but in my salon, there was so much love, like there was so much love. And so it was hard, but most of like the pressure, and this is kind of my, has always been my MO. Most of the pressure that I had was on my, I had put on myself as a recovering perfectionist. Um, it was like, it was just the perfect environment for me because it was like fast paced. And I mean, that's when you could still like smoke in the salon and everyone's drinking. And we used to use ashes from cigarettes to take color off the skin because that, that was really the best work? way. Yes, it actually does. It's so fucking gross to think about now, but um, I, I, I've used the F word a lot already. That's okay. okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> content, parental, whatever, guidance, warning. Okay. Um, anyways, yeah, yeah, it actually does work. And like, especially because we used to use, there was a product. I don't know if it still exists because I'm so far removed from the product world, but there was the coolest demi. was like, I no, it was more of a semi. Um, and it was called cellophanes from Sebastian. And we use it a lot to um, tone people after perms because like it was just the perfect you could like put it on in the process I don't know it, it's obviously it's it been worked. a long time since I've done it but it stained the skin so bad so I would have like cellophanes on someone's hair and then I would put the cotton around so it wouldn't like get into their eyeballs and stuff and then I'd run to the back room smoke the fuck out of a cigarette and bring the ashtray <laughs> to the fucking shampoo room and take their take their the stains off but we were a very professional salon. I know that sounds so unprofessional, but it, I mean, that's what we did. It's just how it was. It's just how it was. And it was bougie. So, I mean, it was a very high touch, you know, but still, I mean, ashes are ashes. If it work, you know, it works, it works. Anyways, I totally got on a tangent. So yeah, so I worked in the salon and, and my second month or third month of beauty school, we took a field trip from Falls Church, Virginia on a bus, by the way. We took a field trip to New York for the International Beauty Show, the New York IBS show. And I I didn't know what a hair show was. Like I never been to a hair show. This is probably 80, this is probably 87. Probably 87. And so we walk it. It's only a day trip. Cause you know, New York and Virginia are pretty close, whatever. So it was just a day trip. So we walk in. And I walked in, I'm like, whoa, like this is insane. And um, I found the Paul Mitchell booth. 
And I had kind of known, like, I kind of knew what freeze and shine was because, again, it was the 80s. Um, I love freeze and but shine. But I mean – I mean, I did too, like when I used to wear that, that type of hair. But um, so I walked up to the booth and like, everybody was so cool. Like everyone looked so cool and everyone was dressed so cool. And then they're like, Hey, you want to like be a hair model? And I'm like, yeah. And so I spent all day there. That was it. Like I literally spent the day at the booth and then someone said, um, do you want to like help us? Do you want to like assist with us at other shows and stuff? And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. So they started calling me to come and like shampoo for them and like set up the little product booth for them. And this was while I was still in school. So by the time I graduated, I already had an invite to the educator training and I soon became an educator And then not long after that, I was working behind the chair, you know, and everything with my own clientele, but the local distributor called and they're like, we need help. Can you help us? And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but yes, (laughs) of course I can help you, you know? And so they're like, we need a brand manager for Paul Mitchell because we need someone to focus and we need someone to train the salespeople. We need someone to build an education team. We need, and I'm like, I can do that. Which I mean, come on. Anyways, I did. (laughs) I did that. (laughs) And so very soon after I started behind the chair full time, I left behind the chair full time and put most of my energy into being a brand manager at what at the time was one of the largest distributors in the world, Davidson Beauty Supply. East Coasters, older East Coasters will remember Davidson, but I learned how to use a computer. I learned how to like run reports. I learned how to do everything. Like literally I had the best, the best guides and the best mentors and the best trainers of all the things, you know, I, I mean, presentation skills, like, of course I learned a lot of that in my educator training, but then I was standing in front of salespeople all the time and they weren't as cool as hairdressers. They were harder to stand in front of. Nice. I mean that in a nice way. It's just a different audience and tough, tough. Talk about tough. So, um, yeah. So a few years in, um, meanwhile, I'm still on the East Coast. JP calls one day and he's like, do you want to come back to LA? And I was like, uh, this is really hard. Okay. But here, here's a funny story. Here's a funny story about when JP called. So I'll never forget it. It was like Memorial Day weekend. This was in uh, 1990, maybe, maybe 90. And um, (laughs) I was away for the weekend with friends at the, at the beach. And this was when, again, I'm so aging myself. We had answering machines, you know, this was again, pre all the things. So we had answering machines. So I was still young, you know, and God only knows what my outgoing message was, but I know it was highly inappropriate, Right. Like it's for friends and stuff. Like it was probably something really stupid. So I get home and check the message. Just like, hey, Nina, it's John Paul. I just was, and I'm all, and I was freaking out. And I'm like, oh my God, what? Like, what did he hear? (laughs) So I called him back and I'm like, hey, hi, hi, what's going on? What's up? And he's like, Um, I want to talk to you about coming back to LA. We have a regional manager, regional, it's called at the time, regional director position opened up 
are you interested? And I'm like, well, yeah, but like, I love, I love where, where my company, I loved my, I loved where I was working. You know, I was, I was so happy and I have so much family on the East coast and I had friends and the apartment I lived in shared a wall with the biggest gay bar in Baltimore. Like I was living my best life. And, um, but of course I wanted to go back to LA, you know? So he called, um, the company that I worked for and he's like, we love you and we love Nina. And I just wanted to see how you all felt if she left and came back to LA. And they said, we love Nina too, but we know where her heart lies and it, it lies with you and your company, Paul Mitchell in Los Angeles. So, um, Yes, we you have our full support. So, oh, it makes me sad just thinking about it. Anyways, so that's what brought me back to LA. This is a very fucking long story. Uh, please take your time because I just love it. I've heard some. Really? I've heard like a lot of your story because I've just followed you and like listened to you for so long. But like, I'm literally over here like. <gasps> I'm just so happy. I'm like, what's gonna happen next? Like, I just I know. Well, to- I mean, trust me, there's a lot of shit that I won't Take share. And there are a lot Take of things time. that, you know, I'm skipping. Anyways, so yeah, so I was back in LA. Um, I lived with my grandparents when I first got back. They had a ranch in Malibu um that I grew up on at, you know, like a little two-bedroom house on a 10-acre property. We had horses, it was just magical. Anyways, I um, was traveling. I was, tra- <laughs> I have a funny story. I was traveling. Okay, so one of my first travels, um, it was like, I think it was like a day trip where we were going to go to like three places because GP just wanted to like introduce me to all the distributors because my job was working with distributors. So I had like seven or eight distributors around in the Southwest United States that I was responsible for sales, marketing, educate, like everything, working with the working with the distributors, the educators, the the sales teams, et cetera. So, (laughs) this is so embarrassing. So JP had a plane, of course, because like what, you know, efficient executive doesn't. And I'll never forget there, (laughs) this is so funny. Okay. A gazillion years ago, Paul Mitchell partnered, like co, like did a partnership, a collab which was now called a club. They did a collab with a scissor company. I think it may have actually been Cricket. Um, oh my God. And they made a scissor case that was like hard plastic. Do you remember that? Because it was around for a long time. Okay, anyways, any OG Paul Mitchell people, they'll remember it. But it was like a plastic like case, you know, that clicks together and inside yep. there was a mirror, scissors, and like a cape. Okay. This might be for my beauty like my beauty school kit or something. I mean, it, it looks like a briefcase, but it's plastic and it's, it, the it's concept really, makes it, sense to me. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So what did Nina use for a briefcase on her first business trip with JP? A plastic fucking emptied out scissor case promotion thing. I was a kid. Like I didn't have anything, you know, you were doing great. So of course, he, JP's so gracious and amazing and whatever. He didn't say anything. So at the end of the trip, we're flying back into LA and, and he says to his executive assistant at the time, do me a favor, take me to the, to the store and, and get her a nice, get her a nice briefcase. 
and he bought me, you know, the most beautiful professional, you know, like leather or whatever, um, briefcase. And, um, it, it, he, he just was an incredible, incredible leader and from the start, you know, from the start. And so a lot of folks like that don't know much about me or don't know anything about me pre-Passion Squared. I don't talk a lot about my past, but I had the best. I had the best trainer, leader, mentor, coach, guide. Um, I spent 25 years with that man and, and, you know, working with him, watching him, observing him, traveling the world with him. And um, I just learned so much, but, but that was kind of like, that was kind of my like big, like introduction into like, you're an executive now. I'm like, I, wait, I went to beauty school. I just wanted to do hair. And now I'm like traveling with a briefcase, like not a scissor case, a briefcase. So that was a big kind of pivotal moment. <laughs> that does seem like a very pivotal moment of like, yeah, yeah. I love that story. I've never Crazy. heard that one before and I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I, my little perfectionist workaholism served them well and me well for a very, very long time. Um, and probably around 2005, 2004, I really started struggling, um, personally, not, I never struggled professionally like that. They, no one ever knew what was really going on, you know? And I mean, I didn't really even know what was going on, but, um, by the time, you know, interesting, we, we have these, we have these kind of like stories we tell ourselves. And one of the stories that I told myself, cause I sh always struggled internally, like, but workaholism really helps with that. Cause you, you know, especially and disassociative disorder, because you just go, go out of body and just go, 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 go. Right. Um, so it, I, I always remember thinking to myself when I turn 40, everything will just chill out. Like I, everything will make sense when I turn 40. And I think one of the, one of the things that, one of the reasons I thought that is, is Jean Bra was an amazing, amazing, is an amazing, was, was at Paul Mitchell and, you know, is still an amazing hairdresser and human being and person that I had an opportunity to work a lot with in my career at Paul Mitchell. And she was just like a fashion icon to me because I'm so not, I've never felt like I am. And I've always struggled with my own identity issues. And so um, I never really understood, but I always was like obsessed with people with like really cool fashion. And she was one of them. And I'm like, shit, I want to be like her. Like, I want to be like Jean and I want to be cool. And, and then she turned 40 and I was just like obsessed. I'm like, I want to be like that when I'm 40. Anyways, that didn't work out too well because I actually had a nervous breakdown after I turned 40 and became highly suicidal and entered inpatient treatment. So um, that changed everything. That changed everything. Because I really realized that there was no way I was ever going to be the same. And there was no way I was ever going to be able to work the same. And 
realizing that so many of my triggers and unhealthy behaviors were tied to my to my um, work identity, along with a lot of other things that I still choose not to discuss out of respect for a lot of people that I love and adore. I, I do keep much of that to myself, but um, I knew I, I just, I knew I wasn't going to be able to be that Nina that everybody relied on for literally everything. And so it took me a couple years, you know, out of the advisement of my treatment team, um, which I know you understand, you know, um, they said, don't make any rash decisions. And I'm like, okay. And so I didn't, you know, I instead had massive panic attacks, multiple ER visits, a 911 at the office scare. It was a fucking nightmare. I just couldn't do it anymore. And so sadly, I had to resign from literally my life, my entire identity, my financial security, my community, the people that I loved, all of it, just couldn't fucking do it anymore. So I have that's, that's crazy. Hold you on, know what I mean? Let's wait a second. I have chills. <sighs> I know it was intense. Well, just thinking, you said you spent 25 years there. Yeah. I, I was a lifer, you know, I, I was a lifer because I was committed. I loved what I did. I loved the people that I did it with. I made a promise, you know, to John Paul and to Luke that, you know, I was there forever I had a lot of incentives to stay. Um, I had to choose living or working. And that's, that's how extreme it was for me. Yeah. Well, when you go through something like treatment, I mean, you really cut everything open. Like you crack open everything and you really have to make decisions. And sometimes yep. you just can't go on doing the same thing. You have to make a radical change. I know. And the thing is, is that a lot of people don't like that. Just yeah. like boundaries, like, you know, people just, not everyone likes that. And there were a lot of red flags, but there was one, like just one thing that I remember is um, someone had said to me, you know, you've really changed. Like, you don't seem as like whatever. And I'm like, isn't that good? Like, and it wasn't, even though I was still able to do my job, which was big, um, and still had the same commitment and still had the same passion and still had all of that. It just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And I knew that I could no longer, um, sacrifice my mental health, illness, well-being, um, you know, timing is so interesting. And sometimes we just don't really understand what's going on and why at the time. But one of the things that, one of the things that I recognized very early on after I left was I was able to spend so much time with my family. That was always so important to me. But as a youngin, we tend to put work ahead of everything, you know? 
And <clears throat> as a workaholic, we most definitely put work in front of everything, including ourselves. So I spent two and a half decades just on this just fast moving um, train ride, whatever, you know, um, and just to be able to, and I don't advise people to leave their careers or, or resign or quit. This is in no way an endorsement yeah. and you all have to do what you have. This, it took me two years to make this decision. And also I gave six months notice. So it's not, I didn't just walk out one day. You know what I mean? Like there was a, a plan. It, I, 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 because I love them. You know what I mean? I, I still love them. I would never, ever do that to, to somebody that I love. So, but, you know, I, it, it did give me some time. I left in 2009. Um, it gave me some incredibly special quality, extra quality time with my family, particularly my father, who little did I know would die two years later. Yeah, wow. And unexpectedly and 20 years before he was supposed to, according to my, the Kovner genealogy. So, you know, what if I was like in Europe? What if I was like still a workaholic? What if I thought a bottle of fucking shampoo was more important than having brunch or a movie day with my dad? You know what I mean? Um, some people can figure it out. I couldn't. I couldn't, you know, that rhythm, I just couldn't. And that was a hard pill to swallow. You know, it's like, I still think about it sometimes, you know, I'm like, why couldn't I, why, why couldn't I figure that out? Like, and then I'm like, oh, okay, I know. Cause I was meant to be here and, and, and use, use the, these experiences to help others. But yeah, it was the wild, wild first half of my life. And, um, I started Passion Squared. Well, Passion Squared kind of started in 2011 in terms of like the idea of it. But the official launch was actually, oh my God, it's March again. Fuck. I can't believe we, a whole year has gone by. Um, March 2012 was the official launch of Passion Squared 2012. So we're nine years old this month. Nine? Yeah. Who? Nine. That's crazy. That's amazing. Hmm. So, I mean, that's a lot. I've said so much already. So what is Passion Squared? I know what it is. But what, it's how a, did the idea what, come You tell about? me what, you tell me what it is. <laughs> so when I joined Passion Square, I just joined Nina. I was like, yeah. whatever she says, I'm going to be a part of. <laughs> Oh so I joined goodness. a school and a yeah. school is just the best. And I don't get in there. It's because I'm like a workaholic totally. Um, I know. And even like not, let's not even move on yet. Let's just take in what we just talked about because there's so many like important things that you talked about, including like, not like, so you said some people can figure it out. I couldn't. And yeah. the importance for asking for help. Yeah. You know, this, you can do it all. I, I, it, it's so subjective. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? You know? And, and again, I, being from an older generation, like 
we were kind of born to be workaholics and we were born to suck it up and we were told to, you know, whatever. And I just, I believe that you can have whatever it is that you want to have, but the idea that you can work 90 hours a week and practice self-care and take care of your mental health and have valuable, authentic relationships with others and take care of whatever, you know, family, children, animals. Um, I don't know. Like, again, I I know some people have it all figured. I, I just don't, I just think it's bullshit. Just like balance. I don't believe in balance. You know, I believe in finding your rhythm and as someone that has been just like many people just like, what's wrong with me? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I be like this person? And the, the fucking internet's made it a million times worse. But I think it's so important for us to, and hard, but important for us to realize, wait a minute, this ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. This is about me. This is about me. This is my journey. I don't know. This is what it is. It's very, very hard to stay out of comparison because we are just inherently um, feeling like we are missing out on something or we are lacking something or or something's broken in us and it's fucking hard. And it you have to constantly just check in and remind yourself, which again makes this really hard with the internet, with everybody being so hyper-connected how do you, how and when do you even disconnect? How and when do you even know how you're feeling? How and when do you check in with your mental health or your relationships or your family or whatever? I don't know. It's just, it, it it's such a mind fuck, you know, the, just the way, the way the world works and it becomes even more important to protect yourself. And that's, it's hard. I, I, I would never oversimplify this. It's, so many layers. It's very difficult. Um, yeah, I completely agree. And like, I struggle with comparison all the time too, and it's gotten better for sure. Just like kind of stepping into my own authenticity and kind of like stopping giving a fuck. Like at this point, it's just like, I want to be who I am and that's it. And sometimes it is hard to see like other people like seemingly living like this perfect life. And it's just like, everything's falling apart. Like it's, it's hard. Cause you only see the highlights. You only see the highlights of everyone's shit. And then you compare yourself to it and you're just like, well, you know, um, but it is really hard. I totally yeah. agree. I mean, I do, I live it. I mean, you know, I know <laughs> I call I know. you with so much shit. I'm like, this is going on. That's going on. Blah, blah, blah. And you're always just like, <sighs> I know it's, it's so it's like, we need another fucking distraction, you know, but it, it's, it's hard. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons that I, I'm so, I'm so passionate about trying to be where your feet are and trying to stay as present as possible because the world is overwhelming. Life is overwhelming. Business is overwhelming. Everything's so noisy. Everything's moving so fast. Everything's just nuts. And so the only way to like stay true to yourself and to stay in your authenticity and to stay aligned with your values and your integrity and your vision is to create a a protective a protective space barrier around yourself um, to be able to keep your mind clear and to retain perspective. It's, it's, it's a battle. And look, I don't, 
I, I, I mean, I work in this space. Like Passion Squared was created because of the social and digital media revolution, but it was really different in 2010 and 11 than it is in 2021. And so I, I get it. I also have the gift of being older in this case. And I did not have the internet for a very large part of my life. And so, you know, there's that kind of like, but I battle it too. Trust me. Like I, I am so imperfect and I am so human in, in that way. Um, but I am so aware. It's that obviously awareness is always the first step, you know, and just being aware and catching ourselves when we start feeling like we're sliding into comparison or perfectionism or workaholism or any of those things that are, you know, defeating to the soul and, and to the heart and to your spirit. Um, and that, that really cloud your authenticity. So, um, and this has everything to do with business as much as it has to do with life totally. and back to brand story. It goes back to, it really all aligns with your brand story as much as it does your individual human story. So shit's hard guys. I mean, it just folks, I mean, folks, 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 um, it's hard. It's hard. It just is, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And so your story and, you know, my story are relatable in a sense of like, we've been through so much and like, I know people listening, like it is hard, you know, and somebody who might be like going through life, like you said, like almost associated, like just going and working and working and working, like what would you share? Like, I mean, I guess I would, I would tell them like, start to go to therapy. And that was one of the biggest mm -hmm. ways that like you helped change my life is you introduced me to my therapist. And that was like a huge deal because I was never going to therapy. I, I never yeah. did that. I had gone a few times to like different places, but I had not gotten, I had not ever opened up. I was kind of just going, catching up, leaving, you know, like that whole, like, let's catch Like you catch up with like what happened over the past couple of weeks. And then it's just like, okay, bye. But you never get deeper than anything. And I was just like, this is bullshit. It's a waste of my money. Right. And like, I always say, like when people say like, I'm depressed or I'm hurting or anything, like at least start going to therapy and try to find somebody who's a really good therapist. And if it doesn't work with one person, try again and try again and try again yeah. until you find somebody, because that's like a huge step forward as to getting help. Yeah. You know, it's, it's frustrating because there's also a, a, a therapist shortage and there's also, you know, we have to remember that therapy is still a privilege, you know, and for some people it's out of their um, budget. And there are other options. There are apps and, and online tools um, that are more accessible or affordable. I also recommend just Google searching in your city, um, low cost therapy. And in some cases, cities have um, free therapy for certain groups of people, certain um, economic um, levels and stuff like that. So I was incredibly privileged to go to the treatment center I went to because I was making a gazillion dollars a year at the time. I had the best health insurance. Um, and so I, today I would not be able to do that. So, um, 
there, yes, of course, I, I'm always going to recommend therapy. Um, but also it's hard. And it, it kind of goes back to when the student is ready, the teacher appears, especially for those people with really layered, intense trauma. It's, it's sometimes just some folks just aren't up for it. And I think that finding a trusted person to um, confide in someone to talk to, not for advice, not for feedback or input, just somebody to talk to, somebody that will really listen. So, so much of what we struggle with, we just feel like we're alone and we may be holding on to shame or secrets or things that if we could just talk about it, if we could just like tell somebody. So there's a lot of different ways to, to kind of engage with starting your mental health journey. And also not everyone's the same. Some people have mental illness like myself. I have treatment resistant clinical depression. Um, that's far different than somebody with seasonal depression and or ADHD and or anxiety and panic disorder, um, bipolar, any type of addiction. So this is definitely like um, not specific to any one, one, one condition. The one thing though that I do really encourage folks to do is, is to go deeper than an Instagram post. And I know that Instagram is really helpful. And I obviously, I mean, I'm a believer in social and digital just as much as the next person. And I know that there are certain quotes and certain pages that resonate with us. But I also am always going to... Um, remind you that there are experts in the field of, of mental health. And um, I always advise people work with experts, whether that's in hairdressing, um, just like the hair community always advises clients not to do their hair at home. Um, same goes here, you know? And so we can be there for each other and we can hold space for each other and we could share our stories like you and I are doing now with each other, which are so helpful, so helpful in so many ways. But this podcast right here, this does not replace the need to seek actual professional, professional folks. Um, I love social and digital, but my biggest struggle is the disinformation, the misinformation, the out of context information, the armchair expert, all of that. It's just really out of control and dangerous when it comes to something like mental or physical health. So I know that got really deep. Really no, hard. I mean, you're totally right. I love to share mental health stuff just to make people feel less alone, but I'm in no means a professional. Absolutely. Same. I, I mean, and, and my therapist told me from the very beginning, you have been through some things and you are an expert in those things that you have experienced. And so sharing your experience is one thing, preaching and giving actual diagnoses and creating a, uh, framing opinions as facts and absolutes and things. That's where it gets dangerous. That's where it yeah. gets dangerous. You have to have those boundaries. And, you know, I totally agree with you with the, everybody's an expert and like the misinformation, it is dangerous. 
Yeah. It is really dangerous. Because people do need help. And I really love the advice of finding somebody to talk to. Therapy is a privilege. You know, I'm still working on my privilege and working on like myself to like realize those things. And, you know, me saying that you're absolutely right. Like it's not accessible to everybody. So I love the idea of you sharing. I love that you shared that there are other resources for sure, too. Yeah, there are. And it's kind of like you and I, like you and I talked for several years before you actually started going to a therapist. So I wasn't giving you therapy, but I was sharing some experiences and some things just based on my own experience. And I have been working with folks for a long time in certain areas that I will share. This is my experience in working with X or Y or Z, you know? Mm. Um, So yeah, it's, I know everyone's just really trying their best and that's yeah. It's a, it's a serious issue. And I think that talking about yeah. it is important, whether we have all the answers or not, <laughs> we never will, Yeah, but just yeah, talking about ne- it. And you know, if you're we feeling, never will. if you're feeling icky or if you're feeling like sad and alone, you're not alone, please. No, you, you are not alone. And you know, I haven't, I, I, I'm not yet, yet ready to talk about what's been going on with me the last 14 months. But what I will say is that I have been in one of my worst depressive episodes since December of 2019. And even with all my access and all my experience and all my privilege, um, I was not able to get the help I needed until the end of January, 2021. And it has been brutal to say the least. And I'll talk more about that probably at some point on my own podcast or somehow I I haven't quite decided how I'm going to share that story, but, um, it's real. It's, it's, it's brutal and, um, it's serious. And so even one person, even if you can just like reach out to one person and just be like, I don't know what to do. Like something's wrong. That's hard for me too. Like I, I I have a very difficult time in the moment being like, I need help instead of like, just, just working through it or numbing through it or covering it up with work or, um, social media, like just numbing it out or working through it. it. And it's like, yeah, I have like such a hard time, like being like, I need help. It's like really hard. It is. And, you know, numbing, numbing works, you know, I mean that I've been doing that since December, 2019 in a lot of ways, you know, um, there are obviously certain healthier ways to numb (laughs) than others, as we know. Um, but sometimes whatever it takes to survive, that's okay too. You know, it it's so it's so complicated. It's so layered, and there's no right or wrong way. I, I just I'm heartbroken. I, I'm just heartbroken around the loss that that we've had in regards to people that just don't think there's hope. You know. So if you're struggling, I, I Passion Squared's DMs were always open. I know Gina's always, always there for you as well. Even if it's to share resources, even if it's just to listen, even if it's just to say it out loud and be like, fuck, mm-hmm. I'm struggling. It's like, okay. We have um, 
I have in my bio on Instagram, the born this way foundation, and it's like mm. a link to donate to it. But I think I'm going to add another link because they do have beautiful mental health resources. Like, yes, done they a really do. Nice job. So I'm going to add that to my bio today. I think that's great. Add that because, and like, I don't have the answers for a lot of things. I know you don't have the answers. You for don't, a lot we of don't things. have to. And, and, and yeah, and it's hard. Cause like you take it on too. You're like, Oh my God, I want to help. But like, you know, being able to do at least something to provide the resources is super. And we have a mental health highlight on our, um, on our passion squared Instagram and, um, with, with also with, with resources and, um, oh, stuff and, and, you know, and I get it. Like sometimes you just don't want to dial the number or whatever. And it's like, sometimes you just need someone to just be there to listen and to just be like, it's going to be okay. You know, I dialed and, the number and it was the best thing I've ever done. Yes. Yeah. It was I dialed the number and I, I dialed the number and within two yeah. weeks I was on a plane. Yeah, no, I, I know. And I'm, I'm very proud of you and I'm very grateful that you, Me too. That, that you did that. One of the best pieces of advice I got from my therapist um, I was in one of my very dark, I don't think I can hang on moments. And, um, <laughs> they said, um, they said, call, call your family, um, let them know what's going on. This, I was still in LA. This is years ago. Um, go to bed, <laughs> go to bed, watch TV, eat cookies like and and let's let's get together Monday and create a new plan. Treatment resistant depression is where medication doesn't work. And so sadly, all the medication that I was put on very early on in my recovery made me actually more um suicidal than I already was. And um so I, that advice for me at the time was perfect. Like, and the reason why I've held on to that is because when I feel like I'm like, I can't even, that's what I do. I still do that. And I'm like, okay, I'm just, I need to go to bed. Like I need to go to bed. I need to hug the dogs. I need to eat a cookie or watch, you know, cult documentaries, which I love by the way, uh, which is weird. <laughs> I don't Same. know if people would, I don't know if people will be like, Oh yeah, I could totally, you know, I don't know. I'm just obsessed. Anyways. Um, <laughs> I love that. Kind and of then, stuff. and then, but I don't do like no murder. No, like I don't do scary. Don't do murder, but cult. It's the psychology for me. Like I love it. it. I am so fascinated with psychology that I I'm super into, okay, what happened? What, why they do that? Whatever. Um, and I, I grew up with a lot of the old school, like leadership training and old school management style, which was basically psychological manipulation. That's incredibly destructive, damaging, dangerous. So I'm into that. I'm into that, how people like brainwash people and how people like it's because it's so disturbing. Anyways, that was a total side note. No Sometimes worries. you just need to go to bed for the day. Right. And then wake up the next day and be like, okay, now, now what am I going to do? I like you know? the, let's make a new plan. It puts yeah. you back in control. Yeah, it it does, but you need that break, right? Because you can't make the new plan when you're in the depths of despair, right? So yeah, that's you have why to be in a good state. The go to bed, <laughs> the go to bed is like just shut it down. Now, of course, in 2021, that means 
turn your fucking phone off, you know, get off the socials, blah, blah, blah. Um, shut it down. And then let's revisit. Let's make a new plan. And so. <sighs> I'd love to talk about shutting your phone off. Mm, okay. So. You talk a lot about that, like unplug, unplug, unplug. Like that's like a huge part. Of yeah. Like- so in, as I said, pa- Passion Squared was originally um, created to help empower the salon industry around the social and digital revolution. Back when we launched though, people were like, Facebook's dumb, it's fad, blah, 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 blah. And nobody would listen. Um, my original co-founder, Gordon Miller, who many people know of, of Hairbrained and um, Hairbrain Conversations podcast, and now quite a mover and shaker on Clubhouse. Um, Gordon and I, I mean, it was, an, it was a struggle. It was a struggle because here's two really smart, really awesome people from the beauty industry that saw something incredibly important and game-changing, literally game-changing for the industry. And people were like, whatever, we don't. So- it was, it was, it was tough. Um, and so our, my entire life is spent online because Passion Squared is an online business. It's a virtual business. It always has been. And so probably about, I don't know, five years, maybe about five years ago, I was like, shit's getting out of control. Like I'm starting to see a lot of anxiety. I'm starting to see a lot of sadness, a lot of boundaryless behavior, a lot of mean girl behavior, a lot of bullying, a lot of being angry at Instagram because they changed the algorithm, a lot of whatever. And I'm like, okay, stuff's getting a little too fast, too noisy, too everyone's losing perspective. This is not going to end well. Whatever. Do people still talk about the algor- algorithm? Oh, every now and again, not like they used to, but I hear oh, yeah. people talk about it and yeah. I'm just like, that's completely out of your control. Why are you? They're like chronic because because some people just can't, some people just can't let go. Um it's an <laughs> excuse. It's an excuse. It's like yeah. I want to, it's codependency at its finest. I want to control something I have no control over instead of putting the attention back on me and focusing what I can control. It's just like classic codependency. So anyways, so I was like, shit's out of control. So, and, and, you know, as a coach, obviously I'm in this every day and seeing what's going on as well as a researcher and observer of kind of more of the macro trends way, you know, outside of the actual beauty industry. So I'm like, yeah, this is not gonna, this is not gonna end well. And then I really love what I just a side note. I love about a school, how you're looking at like the bigger picture. Like you're not just giving tactics on how to yeah. shit. You're like looking at like actual social news. Yeah. Um, and you're looking at like how things are actually playing out. Because I believe empowerment ultimately is, is putting you all in a place to be able to make a decisions that are aligned with your values that are aligned with your integrity and your brand purpose, promise, and people. So me telling you what to do, is not empowerment. It's dependency. It means that you need me in order to like literally do anything. And that's not empowerment to me. So I, I really am a firm believer in, in you all empowering you all to make your own decisions based on what's best for you. You just blew my mind. Holy shit. 
Yeah, that's what I want. I feel like sometimes I give so much information and I give so much that people become dependent on me like a computer. And that's kind of our human nature. It's like, give me, give me, give me. And I get that. Like, just tell me. It's harder to develop the strategic mind. And not everyone is is going to be able to to obviously jive with that. But yeah, I mean, it's simpler Something I for do folks is- to just say, tell me this, tell me that. But then it gets so fucking out of context. And that's the problem yeah. with the internet. And that's the problem with Instagram experts. Is they're like, charge this. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, and somebody and so- that doesn't know any better is like, well, so-and-so said I should. And like, no, that actually does not align with your objectives, your outcomes, your brand, your whatever. So it's very, it's, it's very, um, it's very difficult. And I know, you know, this, cause you do this. I mean, this is well, what as a do. coach, like as a new coach yeah. and as somebody who I want to help, I want, like, I want you to, are, people. You I are. want to, um, well, I still, I'm a student still. You know what I mean? I mean, like, so am I. I'm so am I. Yeah, I know. But you're like my you're like my person. But like literally, like I'm still a student in a sense of like I like I wanna I wanna make an impact, but I wanna do I always want to do the right thing, right? But I'm still learning. But you know, I one of my biggest goals is to make people help people be independent, empower them to be independent, not codependent. I mean, not needing me. I don't want them to like have to need me for every step. So something that I do is like when somebody has a problem, I'll say, well, what are your two solutions? And when somebody like hits me with a problem, I'm like, what are your two solutions? Cause I have no context of what's even available to you. And like, why don't we like start to cultivate some kind of resourcefulness and like figure out like what actually like what ideas do you have? Where is your brain at? Where's your head at? Um, and that's been really helpful for me, but I love that, um, you, you broke that down a little bit cause it's helpful for me too. Um, it's, it's really helpful for me. Um, Good. To, to yeah, I mean it like that because the brain is triggered by questions. So that's exactly, yeah. you know, questions, questions, just like consultation, right? Questions, that's, questions, questions. What's the opposite of empowerment? I think dependence and dependent. Dis- well, disempowerment. I don't know. Disempowerment. I mean, I Google but like, it. no, like, cause I like you dependency. I mean, I think it for me, I, to me, again, to me, empowerment is you're out and able to make decisions and to live your best life and to be authentic to you and to be happy and all those things. And confident. So, yeah. That you are able to make decisions. And that's one of the things, one of the millions of things that I love about our A school members is, and most A school members have been in A school literally since the jump and yeah. We're in our seventh seventh year now. Um, I've been in there for a really long yeah, time. Yeah, you've been in there a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel special. I always wanted you to are. be like, I, I, <laughs> I know. You, I mean, you are. And and it's so great to see our folks, and not just A-School members, but people that you know have been part of the Passion Square community or one-on-one clients, to, to really, especially in the last year, when the hardest decisions every day was such a hard fucking decision to make. And it's just such a joy to see folks making their own decisions. And there's nothing wrong with checking in with your coach. There's nothing wrong with like running something by. Obviously, that's what we do. But to me, ultimate empowerment is when you in your gut and in your brain, you're like, this is what's aligned. This is the aligned decision. And um, that to me is totally. like, yay, you there, you know, there you go. But we were talking about 
Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. That's okay. I had like a big moment breakthrough. So thank you. No, that's good. (laughs) Thank you. So anyway, so are you going to invoice me? I'm like, I'm going to freaking pay you for this one. (laughs) I started. I started. Um, I started researching what was going on with the kids. I started researching what was going on with the kids um, and mental health and social media addiction and um, internet addiction. And again, stuff I'm just always so fascinated and interested in. And that's when I was like, okay, we need to do something. So I just one day wrote a blog and started this, let's do a challenge. And I called it the unplugged AF challenge. And um, it was about not only being conscious of the time that we spend online, but being conscious of the time we spend offline and creating some sort of habit to where we could disconnect for 24 hours in a row each week, which sounds like nothing. But if you actually are online literally seven days a week, um, 24 hours in a row is a long time to be off the internet. And, and, and this had so much to do with perspective, creativity, um, connection to self, obviously mental health, reduced anxiety, all of those things that are so easily lost when we're online constantly, we lose perspective and we think there's this world. It's kind of like when I'm doing my research, I'm doing it outside the industry. You know, I love our industry. And one thing our industry is really good at is just sitting and listening to each other and just literally taking advice saying, well, so-and-so did this. A great example is business models and payment structures. And we all know that there are and have been groups of salons that call themselves a lease-based salon that are 1099ing and blah, blah, blah. I could go on for, don't need to. With no malintent, just, well, so-and-so when I opened my salon, so-and-so the salon down the street said, this is how you do it. And it's like, I, I understand why you would think that that is a legitimate piece of advice. Well, so-and-so said, well, a coach said, and it's like, okay, a salon owner told me that, or I heard on a salon podcast that, and it's like, okay, great. So when it comes to stuff like that, (laughs) there's a few things we need to look at, like, um, state laws, federal laws, (laughs) country laws, Let's start there, right? There are labor laws for a reason, you know? And um, so so looking outside the industry, I, that's just what I do. I mean, it's just, it's just what I do. Anyway, so I was spending a lot of time looking outside the industry and decided that it was time to start talking about this. And so part of that is what tools do we have available to us to disconnect? And one of the things that I fell in love with is the do not disturb button on the iPhone because I am highly distracted. Like I am just, I've always been this way. And um, I also have anxiety and panic disorder. And I also am very easily overwhelmed. And something as little for some people as constant like beeps, like for texts or whatever, or notification. I have never used a notification. Like notifications, these are all just like just very destructive. Mine are for all our. Too. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's. I, I grew up. My dad was a doctor. Okay, he had a beeper. Again, 
I'm old. He is a, a beeper because he was a doctor. Like there was an emergency, right? And he even had like the first cell phones when they were in big like bags, the big things. In your scissor and, uh, case? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, but that's how I grew up, right? I grew up with like my dad being on call and, you know, him having to leave in the middle of the night or, or whatever. So that's an emergency. That's an emergency. Who posted something on fucking Instagram is not an emergency. Um, a client that wants a appointment that happens to just be sitting down at 11 PM because that's the only time they can do it. That's not an emergency. And also the argument for, of course, online booking. Um, but anyway, so it's like we lose, again, we lose perspective and the codependency creeps in. We're like, oh my God, I have to return this in 30 seconds or, oh my God, so-and-so said this or, oh my God, I or this is happening or that's happening or, or whatever. And it's like, whew, it's a lot. I get like that with my DMs. I'm like, I need boundaries with my DMs, but now my, I'm like, please just join mastermind. I answer in mastermind. Please just join mastermind, like join mastermind. Because I like, I, I have this like weird thing that I started and I started it like years ago where I go to bed with zero DMs and it's so toxic. It's so unhealthy for me. It's great for everybody else, but it's so unhealthy. And it's because I feel like if I don't answer that, like something horrible will happen. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And that codependency, it's the same with answering clients. Yeah, you know what it is. I know that. And, but like, you know, now that I'm sober, like I haven't drank or done drugs and I don't have like that numbing. I feel like I totally, and I'm a love addict too. And like, I feel like the social media addiction ties in with love addiction and codependency, like super hard. Oh yeah. It's, it's super hard for it. Yeah. It's very hard. It, and especially when you're, um, younger, it, it just is. I mean, the, the, it, it, it doesn't mean that older people don't struggle with it. It's just younger people struggle more because they're digital natives, right? It's like, um, it's literally everything. And then, you know, the pandemic didn't fucking help. So there's a lot of obviously great things about social and digital, which I've been talking about at Passion Squared since 2012. And I still am a firm believer in the value in community, the value in relationships, the value in adding value, the value in solving problems, the value in, in feeling part of and, you know, a sense of belonging and, and all of those things. I love the Unplugged AF Challenge. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just... It's just, I think 24 hours in a row, once a week is, is a good thing. Now, of course, in the last year, I have not done that because we went a year ago this month, we went seven days a week with our clients. Um, that was my choice. And to be honest, it probably saved my life going back to numbing. I was in such a bad space that my workaholism actually served a purpose. Yeah, I can relate to that to get me through, um, until it stopped working because yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not sustainable, you know, it's not sustainable um, at all. And it's not an excuse to not, get that's where either. numbing, that's where numbing actually can help in, in the short term, you know? And so I was online constantly, um, for many, 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 many months, um, really up until like December, um, and then I, I tried to start unplugging, but nothing's been quote unquote normal. So I, I, I definitely um, will be getting back to that. 
um, sooner than later, but it definitely is full. And anyone that's tried it is the first to say like, oh my God. And here's the thing for, for all of, um, for all the black and white thinkers out there, all the people living in the extremes, what we're trying to avoid is the, I hate the internet. Fuck Instagram. Everyone sucks. I'm taking three months off. It doesn't need to get to that point. You guys talk about maintenance. You talk about hair maintenance, hair, you know, conditioning maintenance, color maintenance, take home maintenance, all this stuff. This is maintenance. This is mental health maintenance. This is being a good content creator and storyteller and contributor to this world wide web. This is maintenance to be able to do all those things. And so this is just as important as like any other type of maintenance. So we don't get to that extreme resentment, that extreme anger, that toxic behavior, projecting our anger onto others, getting into senseless internet fights, attention seeking, passive aggressive behavior, boundaryless behavior, you know, all the shit we see every day on the internet. Yeah. Mm. I love you so much, Nina. I love you too. So I had a few questions I wanted to ask you. Isn't that what we've been doing for like the last forever? Yeah. But like I wrote these out specifically for okay. you. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I just, well, first of all, I love your story and I learned so much from it and I can relate so much to it. And thank you for sharing it authentically with us. Um, and it's just been awesome walking through that story with you. This is really <laughs> great. So I'm just super Thank grateful you. that you made the time and, um, I just love you. And I learned so much, like you make me like open my eyes a lot to like things that are just happening around me. And I just really appreciate mm -hmm. you and your authenticity and being brave enough to tell your story. Thanks, babe. You're welcome. So one of the questions I wrote down, cause I do different questions for all my diff, all the guests, like all different based on like mm. just who they are. Um, so you're one of my biggest mentors and I've been, and you've been coaching me and guiding me forever. I'd love to know who your mentors are. I know you mentioned JP. I know you mentioned some mm. people in the PM world, which, mm -hmm. you know, I have tons of, I love Paul Mitchell too. I have so many mentors at Paul Mitchell. Who, who are your mentors who helped? Cause I always consider you one of the architects of my life. Like one of the mm. people who really helped me and my friend Melinda like coined that statement. And when I heard her say that, I was like, I have so many architects of my life because <laughs> I wouldn't be me without the guidance and support. And I would just, Oh yeah. Who those people are for you. There's a, there's a great quote that, um, that has always been something that has been important to me. Let me let me just find it. Um, okay, so let me find this. So um, this is I don't know. It's been attributed to a few different people, but I'm just gonna. So again, don't don't believe everything um, you hear. But um, in this particular reference, this is. Um, attributed to Isaac Newton. If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Same. Yeah. And I, I that's always stuck with me because um, this, like, I, I did this all on my own and I, bullshit. 
<laughs> bullshit. There are influences all around, whether we recognize them or not, you know, and I absolutely was blessed with having like literally the best fun. Just kind of generally speaking though, I would say that my grandparents, um, my grandparents taught me so much about what matters, even though it took me like 45 years to like learn. Um, I was really blessed to have a very deep relationship with them. And so my, I think they both passed. I was in my um, late thirties. So, I mean, I got, I got a lot of time with them and they were the only stability in my life. And so, you know, they just meant so much to me and they were environmentalists. Like they were the coolest, like they were doctors, they were environmentalists, they saved animals, um, they, they um, recycle, like they, they were so like ahead of their time. They just were like the cool, they were just the coolest people. Like they cooked all their meals, they baked like from scratch, they didn't eat fast food. They just were like of the earth, you know, and just like. They, That's they were beautiful. very frugal, you know, they were very frugal. They just, I don't know, they were just the coolest. So, and when I, when I had the first girl, one of the first girlfriends that I ever had in my early, early, early twenties, I was so scared to tell my dad, like, I wouldn't tell my dad that I had a girlfriend, but I took her to my grandparents' house. <laughs> like, I never even thought twice to like bring my fucking girlfriend to my grandparents' house. It was just so nuts. I can think about that now. Cause again, it was different. It was different in the eighties, you know, in the, even the nineties in terms of being safe to come out. And there were so many ramifications. It was a fucking nightmare. It still is in a lot of areas, but I know that folks are getting a lot more support, um, it with, um, their, um, sexual and gender identities. And so anyways, completely off the subject. So my grandparents for sure. And my dad, my dad taught me compassion. He was the, one of the most compassionate people that I ever knew. Um, and he's like my twin. We're both Libras. We were born three days apart. Like he's just like my twin in a lot of ways. My mom, of course, literally everything. Um, I, I just can't talk about that right now. Um, so like personally, like I would say like for sure, but professionally, um, the, the people, <laughs> thanks. The people that I worked with at Davidson Beauty Supply, which, um, the owners, Ken and Judy, like I was such a little punk kid you know, and they were so sophisticated and professional and like smart and had this incredible operation that had been handed down, you know, within the family over, and they were like the beauty supply of the East coast. And so like, they were like my, like tough parents, you know what I mean? Like my parents were super like lenient and like, I was a wild kid, but, um, they, but the Ken and Judy were like the strict parents, which I actually needed. <laughs> I really needed. And then the team that work with them, Steve and Heidi, they taught me everything, like everything about sales and marketing and operations and, um, just how to be like a decent human. Like one of the first big, like executive balls that I went to, um, in New York, Heidi loaned me an outfit cause I didn't have any clothes to wear to a, a hair industry event, you know, like an exec, you know, with the suits, like I didn't have like any, like of those things. I was like a 
I wore like overalls and a bandana. I was a big old lesbian. Like I just was like kind of punk rock, you know, like skater kid, whatever. I love it. So, so like she gave me this like formal, really cute, like formal outfit. So yeah, I mean like literally in the beginning. Um, and then of course, JP, John Paul DeJoria, who is the co-founder and owner of John Paul Mitchell Systems and um, Luke Jacob Ellis, who I don't have any idea what his title is today, but um, I think he's, I don't know. <laughs> he's the big cheese and I, he's, I don't know if he is anymore, but um, cause it's funny. I talk to Luke often and we never talk about business. So um, they were for, at the time though, he was head of operations and, um, and then became president. So I just kind of learned everything, you know, I learned JP taught me so much about efficiency and simplicity and what matters and what's important in business. Uh, we had a very lean organization that generated a gazillion of millions of dollars. And we, there was no way that could have happened without his philosophy and approach to um, efficiency and staying focused on the shit that matters. And so I learned a lot from him. I learned about being kind and, and aligned. He didn't like bullies. He stood up for me and defended me on more than one occasion because still to this day, it's no different back then, probably a little worse back then. Strong women, strong female identifying people um, uh, sometimes are a threat. And I was for sure to certain folks. And I was bullied for that. And um, it wasn't fun, but he always defended me. And I'll never forget one that something had happened and someone went in and complained that I was a bitch or whatever. And um, (laughs) JP came to my office and he's like, I'd rather have a passionate bitch working for me than somebody that didn't care. And I'm like, oh, thanks. Thank you, sir. (laughs) He really did have to defend me um, a few times. It was pretty rough for me, (laughs) you know, but he doesn't, that's just who he was. Um, I just learned a lot. I learned a lot from him um, around that stuff. And then Luke, who became one of my dearest kind of friends and very much a father figure to me as well, His, his children are, I'm still very close with his family. And, um, I, I look at them all as my family to, to, to be honest. And I learned like literally like oper like uh, operations, like efficiency in a different way from JP's efficiency, you know, and I've always been able to see things folks don't see. And I do see in systems, I've always been a system person. And so I just learned a lot from Luke in terms of, um, operations and designing systems and getting output, you know, from those systems and how things work. And, um, and, and I learned that from him and also really staying focused on what matters in terms of relationships. And one of the things that he always did, and he probably, again, if he's still there, he probably still does. He, every week he had a list of people that he was going to call 
and he would just call, just check in on customers, check in on distributors. Just, he's always been, he's still like that with me. Like he'll still like, Hey kid, it's been a while. Like, you know, wanted to catch up. And he just had such value in relationships. So one thing I wish I would have learned from him that I had to leave to learn was how important family is. And his family always came first. And the value and the um, the beauty of those relationships. And I, I mean... To me, they were like the Brady Bunch. Like I always say this because I came from like the anti-Brady Bunch family. And I just was always like, I just, it's so cute. Like what it must be like to like be in the Brady Bunch, you know? He's tough. Don't get me wrong. Like he's tough, but um, he just really taught me the value of remembering what matters at the end of the day, you know? So, yeah, I would say that those are my kind of like top, that was a lot, that was a, a lot of people, but those are kind of like the moments in my life. Now, of course, who has literally like saved my life? People, my therapist, who I've been working with since 2007. So that's a long time, 10, what, how long, wait, 2007. I can't even do the math, 2017. Like 15 years. 15 years, yeah. So my therapist and um, and then my friend slash energy healer, <laughs> Nigel. I miss him so much. He's in Portland right now. He's amazing. Yes, he is. So, I mean, those are my, you know, like my lifesavers um, that to this day help me with my life. <laughs> I love it. There were so many great points there. Like there were just so many things of, like what really matters. Like you talked about compassion, kindness, relationships. You talked about the environment. You talked about acceptance, like being able to bring your girlfriend to your grandparents' house. You talked about compassion. I don't know if I already said that. You talked about so much. And those are like, it's like almost like you just... Like what really matters. Like I loved that. Yeah. I, I could. I was. I was intently focused. I was like, wow. <laughs> I loved it. So that's mm. amazing. Um, another question for you. What do you? And I. I mean, you can say the world or the beauty industry. I have a feeling that your answer is going to be the same. Like for both. But what do you hope for for the beauty industry? That's mainly who listens, and we have a lot of other people who aren't in the industry. But what are your hopes for us? I mean. God, I would say like in kind of the macro, like the real macro, and it's always been this and, and, it, and it's this more than it's ever been. I want our folks to slow down enough to tap into what matters to them, to what is authentic to them, to what outcome they're seeking. I want them to just tap into them. Spend more time tapping into yourself than you are tapping into everybody else. 
Um, this perfectionism, this comparison, this codependency, this boundaryless shit, this is so damaging, not just to mental wellness, but to business wellness. Um, and in some cases it turns into physical, you know, stuff. I know that most of us kind of have a similar story as to not being valued, not feeling valued, not feeling seen, being um, discarded by our family when we chose to enter this industry, um, feeling like the stereotype of the media or whatever and what they think of us as an industry. I understand that. I understand that turns to low self-worth, struggles with esteem, struggles with confidence. I understand all of that. And the only way I believe we are going to be able to break the pattern and um, reduce the stigma and all of that is if we do our own inside work. And I know it's hard. It's so fucking hard. But it is only when we go inside and begin our own transformations that we then can reach outside and begin to help others. And it ends with us. It always does. And it's one experience, one to us at a time, right? It's literally, that's how everything works. And so my hope is always that we take better care of ourselves and in turn, take better care of each other. I love you, Nina. I love you too. Where can people find you? On the internet. <laughs> um, passionsquared.net is our website. And on Instagram, we're at passionsquared. Um, on Facebook, we're at passionsquared. On TikTok, we're at passionsquared, I think. <laughs> um on clubhouse we're at passion squared i think i think i don't know yeah at passion squared um yeah on the internet i i will caution everybody we haven't recorded a podcast in a year we haven't sent out a newsletter in like eight months we have very inconsistently been sharing any content on instagram um and that is due to a decision i had to make last year this month last year to put all the energy that we had into our existing clients. And that coupled with my debilitating mental illness has just been rough um, and has just kept me from creating fresh content. That doesn't mean we're not here every day. That doesn't mean we're not taking care of our clients. Uh, we are every single day. And I am really trying so hard to... Um, get better and to be able to begin being creative again and um, creating new stuff. I'm getting closer, closer, closer. You're doing amazing. And you, I mean, you've helped me so much over this year and it really, you know, it's important to take care of what you have. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I, I think you're just so amazing and you're doing so amazing and I don't give a fuck when the last time you posted was you've always been there for me <laughs> no matter what and I mean yeah. Nina you are literally amazing and I'm so grateful for you I'm grateful AF for you um, same, same. I love you so much and everybody give her some love send, shoot her a DM reach out if this resonated with you I love Nina so much 
and join A-School. Yeah, actually, A-School is opening again at the end of March for, for a few weeks. Yeah, A-School. And then we'll have some new stuff. We'll have some new stuff probably in the spring. It's so, you know, it's just the it was so much about what we talked about. And I'm like, I think that I'll be feeling better in November. And then I'm like, December. And then I'm like, January. And then I'm like, February. And then I'm like, March. And it's fucking March 3rd. And I'm like, oh, God. Like, we just can't rush it, right? I mean, I'm frustrated with myself and my progress. I know many people have been there when it comes to any type of recovery of illness or, you know, situation. And so, um, but I'm definitely, definitely getting there. And thank you so much, Gina, for inviting me on. Um, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I know what you've been up to. (laughs) And I know it's so fucking hard. It's so hard, but you're doing it one day at a time. And Um, that's amazing. And to everyone that's listening, thank you for hanging out for this long. (laughs) It was amazing. I love it. Thank you so much again. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and everybody will see you on the next episode. This podcast is brought to you by the Network Salon. The Network Salon is a 10,000 square foot booth rental salon located in Southington, Connecticut. The network is absolutely amazing. If you're a new guest looking for a stylist, go to our site, thenetworksalon.com, and click book now to be matched up with the artist for you. If you're an independent artist looking to make a move and come work with us at The Network, we do have a couple of stations left after our expansion, and then we are full. We hope to meet you soon. Visit our website, thenetworksalon.com, and click careers to download our network career PDF. We can't wait to see you soon and hope you have an amazing day. Thank you for listening to the Gina Bianca podcast. This episode is produced by Alora Media.